That's KC may contain graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for the ears of some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I don't know if I put this up correctly, but yeah, it's oh, gonna, it's, perfect. it's great. You're doing it great. It's you lovely. did a perfect job. All right. So this is a podcast you can find anywhere, and it's two local ladies from Kansas City, and they tell true crime and paranormal stories from Kansas City. And these aren't ones they're just like making up for like fiction and stuff. They're doing research and putting that time in, and then they're going to share a bunch of scary ass shit with us now. So please, everybody, welcome. That's KC. Hi. Everyone just listen really quick because I worked really hard on this, okay? It's very bad, I know. That's KC, as you heard. We chat to Paranormal and True Crime of Kansas City. I do Missouri. I do Kansas. Uh, so for a mini one, since we don't have a lot of time, normally we would do the same type of episode, either True Crime or Paranormal. I'm going to cover True Crime. I'm covering Paranormal. And uh, yeah, so we also do <laughs> a local beverage or stuff. So since we're at the Green Room, which is very local, uh, I have Pirtle Winery uh, Blackberry Mead. And I have, um, what do I have? Tall grass. <laughs> Shit. Buffalo. <laughs> buffalo sweat. It's yes. really sounds delicious, right? It's very delicious, though. And it's, uh, it's the special. Sale. It's a special over at the green room. Yeah. But so buy, go grab while some, you're in here, they'll buy stuff here. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We usually begin, if you're not familiar with talk a bunch of shit talk. and then get into it and then talk a little bit more. So you'll either love it or you'll hate it. That's fine. But you still need to sit down. Uh, so yeah, that's it. So we're gonna chit chat. Yeah. So you went to the Royals game. I did, and it was fucking cold. It was really good in the first inning, and then we and then we started being the Royals again. So that sucked. But um, yeah, it was good. It was kind of fun. It was my first opening day. It was yeah, fiftieth opening day. Uh, our favorite player. I know, right? Hello. Um, Yeah, our favorite player, uh, Mike Moustakis, is back. I don't know if anybody catches up with the Royals or not, but he's back. He's our favorite. He's amazing. Um, He's a moose. (laughs) No, he's not literally a moose, but yeah, no, it was good. It was fun. It was cold. It was very cold. Very cold. Did not expect it to rain either. No. But that was fun. I didn't, yeah. (sighs) I I didn't work today, which was nice. I didn't either. I still went to work to get food, but I um, I went to a little, little... Casting for the uh, will pay less, so they looked at my feet. I may or may not have forgotten to put lotion on, so that's just weird anyway. Um, yeah, uh, and also, my mom is here, she listens. Um, she'll probably uh, tell us if we pronounce something incorrectly. Yeah, she's our usually corrections happens. corner, it's okay. I love it. She's our corrections. It's corner. funny, I usually get a text message to say you pronounce this wrong, and I go, I know, 
We do a lot of things wrong. We do a lot of things wrong. Um, um, oh, oh, today. Uh, so on Sunday, uh, I don't know if anyone saw it in the news or on social media. Uh, the uh, Linda Brown, if anyone knows. Yeah, she had, so if you're not familiar, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. She was the inspiration for that, the little girl trying to go to a school around the block instead of being bused all the way uh, away to the all-black school. Um, but that was in Topeka, Kansas. And that's also, I didn't realize that she that she stayed there. She stayed in Topeka. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's she died relevant. on Sunday. So, yeah. Good thing I chose Topeka stories. <laughs> I didn't know. That's it always cool. always works out. Um, yeah. So I think we got, let's, okay, we're going to get into it. Yep. Um, do you, you want to go first? I'll go first. Rock, paper, scissors? You, rock. <laughs> you go. Shit. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so like I said, uh, I'm doing Paranormal. This is about Topeka hauntings. I just so happened to choose that. That's very weird. So these ones kind of made me laugh. Um, they probably, I don't know if they'll make you laugh, but that's just my sense of humor. So the first one is, a, <laughs> is about uh, White Woman Creek. Anybody else? No? I thought that was very weird. I was like, all right, let's look into this. I don't know what White Woman Creek means. That's, but, yeah. that's um, why you told this story, and yeah. I didn't. You're not allowed to. Just <laughs> 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 kidding. This is the If you mentioned it, I don't know what happened. Oh, it would be very silent. Um, <coughs> um, all right. So uh, White Woman Creek is a, it winds through Greeley, Wichita, and Scott counties, which are just in western Kansas because, you know, western Kansas is basically nothing. Um, it gets, you're welcome, it gets its name and its ghostly legend from an old story of love, betrayal, and violence. So um, there's a couple different uh, kind of theories or tales, I guess, is what they would call it. So some are a little bit more, like, Folklore? elaborate than oh. others. Uh, some of them are literally just like, this happened, this is why it's called that. I don't know. Um, so this one legend says that many years ago, a group of Cheyennes attacked a western settlement in retaliation for an earlier raid on their camp by white men, which is very common. Just making sure that's still recording. Yep. Um, <laughs> the Cheyennes recaptured their stolen goods and also claimed 12 white settlers' lives, 10 men and, 10, and two women. Uh, but as time passed, there were some people who they actually just kind of captured, like they just kept them with them. They, um, the white women decided to stay with the tribe and marry out with the Cheyenne men. The, one of the women though, I can't get over this name, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the Indians called her Anna Wee. Uh, she fell in love with Chief Tawini. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and and she, they had a son together. Uh, most of the white men were also accepted back into the tribe, but there was one who was eager to leave. So after many months, months on the tribe, um, he was able to steal a horse and made his way to Fort Wallace in present day Wallace County. Upon his arrival, he convinced the army that the remaining whites were being held against their will. The escaped man then led a group of soldiers to the Indian camp, and the soldiers attacked, killing the chief and his infant son. So, a bunch of assholes. Uh, the, as the battle continued, his wife uh, retaliated by killing the man who betrayed them. She then continued to defend the tribal village she had become to uh, think of as a home. And in the end, she too actually was murdered. So, as you know where I'm leading, this is why it's called White Woman Creek, because she has actually been seen multiple times uh, just kind of walking up and down the creek, maybe singing a little Cheyenne song, kind of just talking to herself. Reflecting a little bit. Reflecting, looking basically for her. Oh, my God. 
just, it just hit me. That's why it takes a little bit. Um, yeah, so basically she's kind of walking around looking for her son and husband. So that's a very sad day. Sorry for Debbie Downer. Um, that's the whole point of this. It is. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, we'll bring right. it up. We promise. No. Uh, this one might be, possibly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so there's a different one that I'm going to talk about. So it's a uh, different Topeka haunting. It's a, kind of obviously the same town, different area of Topeka, though. So one of the more recent hauntings was the, I guess, best-known ghost story in Topeka. I don't know. I'm not from Topeka, obviously. Um, it has its roots in the life of an albino woman who wandered around her North Topeka neighborhood at night and glared at children <laughs> on their way to school during the day. Uh, <laughs> So, so that first intro sentence just caught me because I was like an albino ghost woman, woman glaring at children as they're going to school. Weird. I mean, I don't. Under- I understand. I would understand too. Yeah. I glare at children all the time. Um, so it's not a lie. Um, so after the woman died in the mid like 1960s, some say like 1963 to 1965, depends. The residents around the neighborhood began reporting a glowing white female figure walking around in the area after dark. Often the sightings are near Rochester Cemetery, where she was buried. Several employees of the nearby Goodyear Tire Factory claim to see her regularly. And some neighbors... Why was that funny? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tire Goodyear. store. What the fuck? <laughs> Tires. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so they kept... They see her regularly. Some neighbors see the apparition as often as once a week. So the ghost route was so regular that one resident began began to watch for it as it strolled across his lawn and clearly on clear nights eventually he claims this is where it gets fucking weird the figure began to pause and gaze at his house though it wished wished to like communicate with him as he says um it then began to pass wait for it began to pass closer and closer to the house until one night it stood at his children's bedroom window and watched them as they slept And if I've said it no. 20,000 times on the podcast, don't fuck with my bedroom ghosts. I cannot handle it. Bed- ghosts uh, bedrooms don't and ghosts cannot in the bedroom. coincide. It's not okay. Not okay. Don't touch me. Um, the man nope. obviously was badly emotionally scarred, uh, but the apparition never harmed him or his children, so he just didn't really worry about her. He just kind of watches her every once in a while. But to this day, they don't know who she actually is. There are some reports of people saying that they actually knew people who knew an albino woman who lived there and died and everything. But oh. there's no actual report of a real albino ghost. Which I don't know. How are, how are ghosts albino? They just Aren't they already the supposed to be like kind of white apparitions anyway? How do you know if it's albino? Maybe it is racist. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so basically, like her eyes are glowing red. Oh, possibly. yeah. Mm. Albino. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That was my oh, okay. white woman creek and albino woman story <laughs> from Topeka. You're still welcome. very happy you did those stories. Yeah, so. me too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, for mine, it's um, gonna be since it's all like female acts tonight. I decided to do a female serial killer. Yay! Yes. <laughs> uh, also, her fun. Her name is uh, fun to say. Uh, uh, Bertha <laughs> Alice Williams Graham Gifford. <laughs> I'm sorry. Born Bertha Alice Williams uh, in October of 1871 in uh, Morris Mill, Missouri, the daughter of, I kept this in here because I have fun with names, William Poindexter Williams, so William Williams, and <laughs> very original in the late 
1800s. Uh, and his wife, Matilda, uh, she was uh, one of 10 children. She was married to Henry Graham, so the Graham part, mm -hmm. uh, in December of 1984. Uh, and uh, I don't know why I put that in there. But they had one daughter, uh, Lila. That happens a lot, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, well, Henry dies, and then she marries again uh, Eugene Gifford uh, in Hillsborough, Jefferson County, Missouri. So she had stayed in the same county anyway. Uh, and they have one child, James. She is described as a farm wife in rural Catawissa. Uh, is that right, Mom? Is that right? Correction <laughs> corner? We don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll hear about it on Monday. Yeah. Catawissa, okay. yeah. uh, Missouri, during the early 1900s, and was alleged to be one of the most beautiful women of Jefferson County with dark hair and a dark complexion. Uh, when Jean and Bertha moved to Catawissa, more smell area. Uh, Franklin County, Missouri, neighbors reported she was an extraordinary cook. She was reported to be friendly, caring, and a caring woman, and would don a white dress and carry her satchel to ailing neighbors. Keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> reportedly, many of her patients died violent, violently of what was called gastritis. Uh huh. Uh, she <laughs> she also was reported to have bought considerable amounts of arsenic for rat infestation in her barn. Pin that too. Um, so all of this, she was considered to be one of the first female serial killers in America. I say one of the first because my sources said she was either the second or the third one, so she's at least in the top five of the first. Uh, so in, yeah, uh, so in 1928, Bertha, uh, known in her community for her cooking skills and caring for sick neighbors and relatives, was arrested at Eureka, Missouri, uh, due to an investigation on numerous deaths of her patients, whoa, uh, as well as the, um, because of the uh, exhumation and post-mortem exams of Edward Brindley and Elmer and Lloyd, uh, Shamal, Shimiel, I don't claim to know how to say words well. Uh, uh, S-C-H-A-N-E-L. Uh, the bodies were found to contain large amounts of arsenic. Uh, she was convicted of the three counts of murder due to arsenic poisoning. She claimed to have used the arsenic to alleviate their suffering. Uh, following accounts, though, they vary. Most historians and family members agree that Alice actually killed at least 17 people over a period of 21 years. Bertha. <laughs> uh, so she was put on trial for the murders in Union, Missouri. Uh, following a three-day trial, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity, uh, which she might have actually been insane, but it also might have just been because she was a woman in early 1900s. Uh, I mean... Yeah. Uh, and then she was sent to State Hospital Number 4 in Farmington, Missouri, where she uh, was said to also be a cook. Exactly. Well, guys, you do not learn. <laughs> Until her death in 1951. Uh, so a little excerpt. Uh, I, did a, I pulled from a lot of things. I don't remember where it came from, but it was about her in that time. Uh, Mrs. Bertha Gifford, the tireless Good Samaritan and deathbed watcher of uh, Merrimack River, Missouri, is in jail, uh, uh, suspected of 17 murders, most of them of children. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I told we you. We didn't bring this up, did we? I, you no. brought it way down I again. Started, uh, so I was too deep until I got this part, <laughs> and then I didn't want to start over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of which the police say uh, she has confessed three 
names I mentioned before, and admitted there may have been more uh, for the last 16 years at that time in her farmhouse known as the Catawissa House of Mystery. First of all, yeah. Let's, why would you send children there? What's the... Yeah, that's... What's the mystery part? I want to know. <laughs> Sorry, Bertha. What's the mystery part? Don't worry about it. All right, here you go, kids. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, this strange character has held herself ready to dash for the bedside of every dying neighbor within 20 miles. Hmm. Uh, Unaccompanyingly, in fact, eagerly, she would jump out of her warm bed in the middle of the night. Anyone who does that is obviously insane. Insane. So she's right, insanity. Uh, put on her nurse's, u- uh, nurse's white uniform, uh, which was always hanging on the chair, and drive her old car, or before that, the horse and buggy. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, through any sort of weather, even in blizzards, when no wheel could turn, she would plow her way on foot along cow paths, great, uh, between 10-foot drifts. So it's like when your parents are like, we used to walk through snow uphill, to our waist, uphill, like to get to school. Bertha did it, too. All <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, uh, nothing could stop this determined woman who usually managed to get there ahead of the country doctor. Hmm. Uh, so I was a little expert because there was a lot, and we don't have a lot of time, and I got tired reading it, so here you go. Yeah. Uh, so remember we talked about Bertha did have a daughter. So Bertha's uh, great-granddaughter, S.K. Murphy, is a journalist who wrote a memoir about her experiences in trying to discover the truth about Bertha for the sake of her mother. Uh, did she really kill people? She did. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> information on how to attain the book, uh, Tainted Legacy, is available through Murphy's website, uh, www.skaymurphy, if you don't know how to spell it, Google it, uh, <laughs> .com. This book is also available through Amazon and other online sources. Um, but I found that from a website for BerthaGilford.com. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so there's a website about her. You can read Google about it. more or live it later. Google it. Google hmm. it. All right. <laughs> Those are our stories. Do you want to do your tip or you want me to do a fact? You can do I don't care. Okay, I'll you do, do fact. a fact. Uh, so we do a Casey fact uh, again because uh, women. I guess it's still actually also technically Women's History Month this month, right? I don't know. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so for my Casey fact, I just tried to do like a powerful woman of Kansas City back in the day, uh, Annie Chambers. Uh, <laughs> she's called the Queen of the Red Light District. Hold on. I mean, back, but about that time, what else could you do? Uh, from IThinkBigger.com, uh, it's easy to focus on the notorious side of Annie Chambers' life. She did run one of the one of Kansas City's most famous brothels for the better part of 50 years. Yay! <laughs> get cool. it, girl, right? Um, no, get it. No, I'm sorry. Uh, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Oh. Located at 3rd and Line Dot, her 25-room resort uh, stood out for its opulent furnishings. Thanks to regular bribes, the business managed to thrive despite being located just blocks from the police and city hall. 
Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chambers, if she actually born Loyan Lovall, which I think would be better for a brothel yeah. name, but that's fine. Uh, in the 1840s, Kentucky displayed the kind of fortitude that entrepreneurs of any era can respect. She was disowned by her father because as a teenager, she dared to ride in a parade supporting Abraham Lincoln's campaign for president. How dare she? I mean, I think that's a good that's thing. Rude. Anywho, (laughs) all right. Uh, After she lost her husband and two children in her early 20s, uh, she started on the path to opening her own brothel here in Kansas City. Over the years, she fended off several attempts to shut down her operation. When her brothel was ordered uh, ordered to be closed in the early 1920s, she fought the case all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court and won. Yay! Yay! But the city had changed over the years. Uh, She got out of the prostitution business and operated her building as a boarding house. Aw. In the final years of her life, she became friends with Reverend Reverend David and uh, Beulah uh, Bulkley, the founders of City (laughs) Union Mission. Hmm. I know. They converted her to Christianity and chamber. She, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. uh, they can, yeah, so they deeded her estate to the uh, Bulkleys, who used the former brothel, later demolished, uh, to help homeless people. Nice. So, so is that City Union Mission? Very interesting. You go. Okay. <laughs> well, that was quick. Yeah. Uh, typically, I would do, like, an escape room tip. Uh, I work in an escape room here in Kansas City. Uh, That's how yeah, we met. That's how we met. I used to be her boss, FYI. Like, and then I left. Won that. Um, and then she left. I like to tell everyone, though. Um, I haven't escaped yet. Uh, so basically, I'm stopping the escape room tips because one, it pisses me off to talk about work outside of work anymore. Uh, two, I'm kind of just tired and I think I'm just repeating everything. So this is now the start of life tips. Don't be basically, a dick. Basically, don't be a dick. Uh, life tip number one, don't be a dick. So there you go. There's your tip. You're welcome. Yeah. You're very and, welcome. Uh, and that's Casey! Yay!